welcome to Smartest Energy Talks, the power market podcast from the next generation energy company. Hello and welcome to the Smartest Energy Talks podcast. My name is Emma Smeaton, Senior Communications Executive here at Smartest Energy, and I'll be hosting today's discussion. I'm joined by two guests, Mark Knights, Director of Power Portfolio Management at Viridor, and Matt Neve, Senior Business Development Manager from our Smart Generation Sales Team here at Smartest Energy. Hello to you both, and thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Emma. Hi, Emma. Smartest Energy are celebrating our 20th anniversary this year. We launched with our PPA business back in 2001, and Viridor have been with us pretty much from the, from the beginning as one of our PPA customers. Um, so there's lots for us to cover in today's session. Um, before we get going, let's kick off with some introductions. So Mark, can you go first and just introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. Well, well as you've said, my name's Mark Knight. So I'm, uh, I've been at Viridor for uh, nearly seven years and I need a little team of 10, um, which does energy trading, hedging and risk management for, for Viridor. Viridor, um, for those that don't know, um, operates a portfolio of around about 300 megawatts, uh, which mainly comprises of, of landfill gas output, but more recently developed uh, a set of nine um, energy recovery facilities, which is um, which is our new, our new fleet of generation. Um, and I think we, again, just for context, Viridor processes around six to seven million tonnes of, of waste every year. Thanks, Mark. So, Matt, can you please introduce yourself and also give us a bit of background around Smartest Energy's partnership with Viridor over the last two decades? Yeah, thanks, Emma. Um, yeah, hi, I'm Matt Neve. Um, I've worked for Smartest now for, for over 10 years, uh, originally having joined from the supply side and then moving over to generation sales. And I account manage sort of many of our larger um, strategic customers on the generation side across multiple technologies, lots of the big solar portfolios, but also Viridor's generation assets as well. Looked after those for a number of years. And actually, as Emma's just alluded to, Viridor's actually been one of our, it's not only one of our longest serving customers, but actually one of our largest as well. But we first signed contracts back with Viridor back in 2002. Um, so nearly 20 years partnership, as, as Emma said, and things were quite different back then. So, Mark, I just thought perhaps we could run through how Viridor has really kind of established itself over the last, over that period, how things have changed, what's changed in the energy markets and, and in terms of the contractual side of things with us and how we've supported you on that. Is that worth just running through a bit of a time sort of scale of, of how Viridor's you know, established itself over that 20 year period? Yeah, hugely. It's, it's changed hugely. Um, I mean, when, when 20 years ago, we would have been just a, a small landfill gas operator. So, we would have started with uh, a, a typical fixed price PPA or a, you know something quite simple, and, and I think gradually we grew um, in the landfill space um, fairly rapidly. I think over over that first decade when when the renewables obligation was available. So, uh, mm. and then I, I remember a time. Um, you, you, well, I should say for the for the for the listener that that I, I was at Smartest. I worked at Smartest Energy for for three years, and we. Uh, Viridor joined, uh, I think, was one of the first companies to take a flexible PPA um, uh, and take a more portfolio approach. I think that was around the turn of, of 20, 2010-ish, I think, from, from, from recollection. 
And I yeah. guess that was that was Virador's first approach in in sort of looking at portfolio um, management and risk management properly um, around its portfolio. And uh, and and there probably was then another period where Virador was starting to think about the future and starting to think about its future investments. Uh, and it's it uh, over the last ten years, it's invested uh, around about one point five billion in new energy recovery assets, which um, I, I guess the whole waste industry has just looked forward and, and looked to try and maximise its, uh, its opportunity within the, the realms of, of government policy uh, and also to address some of the carbon issues that, that um, uh, are affecting uh, that, that market space. And I think we've then obviously taken a, a new approach as I joined Viridor, Matt, you'll remember, that we we decided to go down a slightly different line and perhaps a more advanced line in in 2014-15 where we weren't quite clear what these new energy recovery facilities might how they might perform how they might operate we also had a really interesting system buy and system sell price at the time which was really quite volatile and quite um, difficult to predict there was a big difference between those two prices and i think we were worried about uh how our new um, energy recovery single generator stations of, of 30 megawatts might might impact the, the landfill gas which was pretty steady um, sort of 50 to 60 megawatts at the time and I um, I think so that's why we we then went into the energy trading service agreement route um, with Smartest because it, it gave us that ability to manage imbalance which we felt we would probably um, be in a better place with i think um than um than, than taking sort of fixed price ppas and uh suppliers and offtakers like yourselves didn't really know what we were going to do and how we were going to perform either so i think we just felt that that was the right route and a natural step to, to managing a, a, a bigger imbalance risk um so so we set up a small team to to work around the the exa as we call it um with, with smartest and and yeah we've look, we've 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 really really developed i mean it's taken quite a long time to develop the right systems the right approach the right risk management strategy but generally i think that that has, has has really set the the tone for the for the last uh the last six or seven years it's been really really positive yeah i, I remember it well actually i remember i remember there being a point in, in time where we had different products for the different one for the landfill gas i think where we kept it on the flex and then there was the etsa for the um for the for the energy recovery facilities and um and then since then we've amalgamated it all together i think as everybody got more comfortable with you know your team was becoming more established and you had the energy experts there that were able to manage your own balance and um and take that on take that on yourself so that's um that's really worked well and it just shows moving from a fixed price contract all the way through to a sort of a trading agreement that we're on now or you're on now then that's um it's a real sort of shift in in mindset and risk strategy and everything and that's a, it's a good place to be it definitely takes time and it, and it takes longer than you think i think that's that's probably one of the reflections that i've got from from the whole uh, experience is that um it the, the the small steps uh sometimes take time to embed and the, and the lessons learned are, are interesting as well from uh from the experience of just managing your own imbalance position but but generally the last two or three years have been absolutely brilliant and and have worked very very well despite you know some extreme volatility at times we've we've managed to to be well prepared 
uh, you know, ex- we've got that little bit of extra experience, I guess, from the early years as well. Um, but but we've done really, really well um, using that um, that agreement and that having yeah. that route. It's been good. And the access to the traders as well, obviously, it's your team directly talking to our traders and being able to, to trade instantly over the market and, and, and look at all the different indices and everything that the product allows you to have seems to, yeah, seems to work quite well. Each day we get lots of insights. I think we we've we more and more got got set up with with uh, with more and more independent um, insights into the market or our, our own screens and our own um, yeah different different message boards and all sorts. But but yeah, the the, the traders are always there. I think what what uh, what's different about the ETSA compared to to when we were taking a, when we were using the Flexi PPA. Um, was was really the out of hour service as well. I think that's that's the point. Is that um, we we when we lose thirty megawatts, you know, for a, for an unplanned outage, it can be at any time, day or night. And I think you've got that um, that access that that we haven't found anywhere else in the in the market. Which um, you know, phone a number at whatever time of day or night or weekend, and, yeah. um, and we, we can we can fill a position that that you know. Uh, where we might be, be short or a maintenance plan and might have changed. And, you know, our, we work in five different shifts. Uh, as I say, they're, they're, um, uh, there's, no, there's no rhyme or reason or pattern as to when, we're, when we might uh, need to take a site down or take a plant offline for a period of time for some cleaning, um, whatever it might be. But, um, but the, the team are always there to, to, to take a, a hedging position if we need one. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, energy doesn't work nine to five, does it? So and and you have those guys that are there twenty four seven. So um, yeah, that's good. That's good to hear. Okay, Mark, you mentioned price volatility and kind of how you've dealt with that over the years. So I just wanted to reflect on the last year and the impact that COVID nineteen has had and how it's accelerated a bit of a market shift. So we saw demand destruction throughout the lockdown periods and peaks in intermittent renewable generation that needed to be managed. So. How would you reflect on the last year for Viridor? Yeah, that's no, that's a great question. I think um, yeah, look, just talking about the markets for a second. When we when we went into COVID, it was it was um, uh, slightly scary. I think in terms of the reaction that we saw in markets, we saw some very very low pricing, uh, as well as the, the the demand destruction that caused it. And I I, I guess re- reflecting a little bit, we we were quite fortunate in so much as we've we've been operating under this route to market for some time and, and we gradually got better at, at risk managing and I think we we came into the year having taken quite a long um, hedged position so we were very very well hedged before COVID even started to, to, to play out um, in the energy markets. Uh, I guess that's um, you know it's, it's partly hindsight that's taught us to, to to do that, not to wait for for the top prices. Is 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 to go in with a taking a longer term view. And even though you can't really access prices as far as five years out, we do tend to take a, a five year view of forward looking view of the market. So we were very very strongly hedged, and it, it really left our focus during COVID to to managing the operations, keeping things going, uh, keeping the plants. Uh, operating fully we were given key worker status in the waste sector um, which i guess partly helped uh, to to ensure that things did keep keep going we could still get people into work and get contractors um, at the sites and and um, i think recycling generally went up as as waste streams from households went up so um 
that you know that all of that was was pretty positive. I think that there was I mean there was lots of positive things I think came of it. Whilst everything was going, there was an awful lot of change going on. There was an, there was an awful lot of, of, it, of positive impact on on employees at the time. Um, just in in the way that we just dealt with having to be at home, or, or those half of our company was obviously still operating in um, at the operational site. Sorry, so still having to go into the operational sites to keep them keep them moving on. And Matt, I guess kind of similar to Smartest Energy and how how we as a company adapted to, you know, working from home. Um, did you want to kind of go into a bit of detail around around how Smartest Energy dealt with the pandemic? Yeah, obviously, from Smartest perspective, we had a there was a big sort of um, shifting culture for us as well. We've obviously got some. We have a lot of the sales team already out on the road and and home based, but the majority of our offices are office based environments, and so there was a, a big shift change to everybody having to work from home. The business did really well actually in managing the IT solution to make sure that that worked really quickly. And so it was, um, yeah, it was um, it was a good testament to Smartest that we managed to keep ourselves working um, available for our customers um, for the for the whole period right from the very beginning. So that happened very quickly. I guess thinking back for our customers, it was the supply side of the business that that really suffered immediately, almost almost literally overnight, where. Um, demand um, for some of these for some of our retail customers just dropped overnight um, and they were having to then manage positions that they didn't think that they had um, and having to sort of um, buy back power that they'd um, or sell back power they'd already bought um, should I say so that it was a very difficult time for our supply side of the business however on the generation side of the business it did actually it did actually show some opportunities there was it caused it caused some volatility in the market, so there was actually some very high within day and day ahead prices that we saw, um, especially through the latter half of this winter through January. There were some there were some huge numbers, thousand pound day ahead prices for four days, and, and on the eighth of January we saw the highest system imbalance of four thousand pounds a megawatt hour, which is you know they're scary numbers really. Um, so so you know there were some opportunities there, I guess for. For the likes of Viridor, so you, you'd be able to get in there, use you know, and take advantage of those using the ETSA. I guess for some of our other customers as well that are on the Smart Flex portal, they would also have access to that as well and be able to take advantage of some of those higher prices because not only is it the day ahead and within day, but some of those filtered through onto the the kind of um, the the forward market as well. So there was some like summer twenty one went through the roof for for a period of time, and um, people were were starting to to sell out that power. That's a good point. We we uh, we we definitely managed to benefit from some of some of that, but ultimately we were we were quite we were quite hedged. But um, yeah, it hit it, it does hit hard when you're um, when you're on the wrong side of um, some of those uh, some of those imbalance prices. So that, I think that's again that's the, the the benefit of taking a slightly longer term position. And what about ODFM for our listeners that are listening and might not be too familiar with that? Um, there are some resources on our website if you did want to look into how you could get involved and participate. But um, I think, Matt, if you could just give us a bit of a, an overview, or both of you, actually, if you had any involvement or thoughts on ODFM. Yeah, so this was ODFM's optional downward flexibility management was um, National Grid introduced it quite quickly in summer 20. Um, and really, this was to allow them basically to curtail um, assets um, and so assets could bid into ODFM and say what value they would need to bid to curtail their um, their generation 
so in essence turn themselves off when they would normally be running so we had a number of customers participate in this um, smartest were able to facilitate through contractual um, changes but also through technology as well and actually enabling them to be curtailed um, remotely through our um, asset optimization team so there's there's technology that can support that as well as the, the contractual side of things it enabled actually the system to be balanced in instances basically where generation outstripped demand and there was about five gigs of capacity subscribed over nearly 400 sites uh, it was used on on five occasions and at its peak, 3.2 gigs of capacity was curtailed on the 5th of July, um, and it was about 12 million pounds achieved. So it was fairly, you know, the numbers were fairly, fairly bullish. Uh, so I think it was a success. The National Grid have actually are rolling it out again for 2021. Um, I think the view is that it's probably not going to be used as often. There probably isn't quite the same disparity between the, the demand and the, and the supply this year potentially, but it's there you know, as a, as a tool in the toolbox if, if they need to use it. I, I remember in, um, in Easter, around Easter time last year, we were contacted by, uh, by DNOs who had been given these new powers to, to potentially switch us off. And I think we, were, we, we had a bit of a panic because we literally thought overnight in the following week when the sun was, uh, was going to shine and, and warmer temperatures were out and demand had been um, reduced hugely by COVID impacts, we all thought we, we might get turned off. And then, uh, so we, we had to do an awful lot of racing around to get these energy recovery facilities to into a position where we, we might be safely turned off. Um, and, and then I think very quickly as a result of that, the National Grid brought out ODFM and, um, and said, look, here's, here's, the, here's the, the scheme that we're going to flow this, this into. Um, and we, we, I think we did manage to get a couple of sites away right before the scheme sort of dried up a little bit, I think, where, where things recovered slightly. But um, uh, we, we, might, we might have earned something like £100,000 from just curtailing one or two ERFs for, for quite a short period of time one Sunday afternoon. So, uh, yeah, it was, a, it, was, it was interesting. I think what was, what was a, uh, a bit disappointing for us is that it didn't carry on through the summer. It, it sort of stopped at that point. But I think what, 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 uh, what it does say is that the role that embedded generation has in um, in national grids balancing options is is that we're you know embedded generation is dominating the capacity market and it probably will dominate some of the some of the ancillary services and balancing market going forward. Okay, so in terms of kind of next steps, what's what's next in the pipeline for Viridor Mark? Um, so I think there's there's probably a few things. The 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 subject around balancing market is is definitely. Uh, definitely up there because I think we're we're seeing that more and more as a, as an opportunity for the sort of size plants that we have. Uh, curtailment seems to be um, an opportunity, which sadly, um, uh, which, um, which which I think will 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 Matt and I have started to to map out some plans for for doing that together at first because I don't think as a as a little group we're we're ready yet to to enter the balancing market on our own. So I think. What we found quite helpful over the last few months is, is working together just to work through uh, a step and stage kind of plan to, to, to gain access in there one side at a time. Um, but also, I think we're, we're looking at, at slightly contracting slightly differently. So Viridor has, has, has been bought by a new company, a, a private equity company in the last um, well, about, about nine months ago, and, and that might need, need uh, 
to see some some changes to, to contracts in future. So I think um, there's always something on the table for for Smartest and Viridor to to talk about and to work through. Which is so there's there's, there's always plenty to do. And I think more and more we're seeing more volatility in energy prices. I think Matt said that earlier. And I think we're we're seeing when the wind doesn't blow, when the wind does blow, we're seeing a reaction from from the short term um, pricing area. And I think there's probably as much or a bit more focus to go into our the way that we we access those short term opportunities and or, or equally de-risk ourselves from from that. Yeah, I mean, we've been working to try and work out how how we can do this for some of your assets. As I say, we've Smartest are already active in the BM with a number of our other um, customers and generation facilities. It's some large um, wind farms where containment has been has been available, and we're looking to be able to see if we can do that with your energy from energy recovery facilities as well. So, so that's it's quite an exciting thing. There's some technology. There's some work that we need to do with metering and things like that, as we've discussed, Mark. So there's there's you know investment as well as opportunity here to be made to, to to get access to that. So it's not as simple as just as plugging these things in. So it's um yeah it's a it's an exciting time for smartest energy as well to be able to provide you know route to market on those ancillary services as part of your agreement, but as a sort of a bolt on um, agreement to, to what we already do for you and provide that service. So that's um that's something we're really looking forward to working with you on over the next year or so. Yeah, I think you've got some you've got some strength in depth there that we at the moment is is uh, we we just don't have, and I think it it is quite a a change or a step up in the way that we operate in the market to go into the the balancing mechanism for the first time. So just having that that handhold and that partnership, um, um, you know, knowing knowing that you know what to do, knowing that you've got the systems that we don't have to go and find them externally ourselves um, uh, and and take that extra risk. Uh, it's been invaluable lately. So I think, you know, we've now put it into our plan and hoping to to be able to deliver something, um, you know, over the summer so that we can can start to benefit in the wintertime. Great, yeah, lots of opportunity coming up for this winter season, I imagine. Okay, so unless either of you want to add anything else, we've... um, I think that kind of bring, brings us to the end, really. So thank you both so much for taking for taking part in this podcast and talking us through the partnership that, that we've had almost kind of spanning two decades now. We've seen a lot of industry change and discussed some really exciting opportunities in the pipeline for the future. Um, we usually like to leave our listeners with kind of three key takeaways at the end of each of our podcasts. So if I could just get some final thoughts from you to wrap us up. Well, I think... One of the main things I think I take away from this is that, that Viridor and Smartest, it's about looking at other revenue streams. Historically, it was about power pricing, but there's there's just more to it than that now. You know, the power market has got more more complex. And, and I think that's, that's the same for all independent generators. You really need your PPA to be able to provide flexibility um, and access to ancillary services, all the grid schemes and the wider kind of real-time uh, opportunities like BM. So I think it's about... It's about looking further afield than just the what's the cost of power. It's it's everything around around that for generation, especially independent generation. And Mark, what about you? So I have I have one big thing really, Emma. I think and that and that's flexibility and and that sort of speaks to to where where you guys or where we see you guys and and the relationship has, has spanned twenty years because of your flexibility. I, I would say I think that that's what we see at Smartest more than probably we do other uh, players in the industry 
in that we can we can do some long term agreements, but have the short term flexibility at the same time. Um, we you know we can go into agreements knowing that that at some point the markets will change because they do. They always have done. The regulations might change. They always have done. Um, and that we can revisit these agreements and and make them work. And and equally, you know, th- this this last year we've just obviously signed a new five year extension to our energy trading services agreement, and and that that has come during a time of dramatic change for through through COVID, through um, Viridor's takeover or, or uh, purchased by KKR. And and it will continue to evolve, and and so flexibility for me is is absolutely the key thing. Okay, so that brings us to the end of today's podcast. Thank you so much for your time today, Mark and Matt. Cheers, Emma. Thank you very much from all of us, and make sure you look out for our next episode of the Smartest Energy Talks podcast. You can subscribe on all of the major podcast apps, and also listen via our website. See you next time.